Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. We've got a combine special edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast, the ROTB pod. Thanks for coming on in. Uh, I'm the co-host, Blake Murphy, on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. Joined, as always, by the venerable John Venerable. Um, while you have the chance, reach out and follow him at Johnny's Football. It might not last for a long time, obviously. Uh, I don't know teasing here obviously but john uh, how are you doing amidst all of this with the combine news the kyler murray news that it seems that people are just dead set overall with all these reports coming out of the combine that the cardinals are so definitely taking him number one overall and it's only the beginning of march <laughs> we're gonna get into all yeah. that tonight. Uh, but john how are you doing overall i'm doing okay uh I, i'm honestly a little nervous uh i put a twitter um not really a bet out there like i, I made a proclamation I don't know, like three weeks ago, that if the Cardinals take Kyler Murray um, and trade Josh Rosen, I will. Do, I'm so not. I'm not like adamantly against it. Like I don't support it, but I just couldn't believe it happening, right? And so I said I would delete my Twitter. Like I would no longer tweet from that handle, and I will 100% stick to that if the Cardinals. Now I said in the first round, and theoretically, if he were to drop to the second, and they took him like. You know, that's kind of cheating. He's not falling out of the first. He, he's going to go somewhere in the top 10 to 15 picks, you would think. But, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Blake, right now the Kyler Murray hype train, not only as a prospect, but specifically to Arizona, like they're not even speculating Murray going to any other team. He is dominating all the mocks atop everybody's, you know, wish list for the Cardinals, connecting the dots. Um, you know, national media alike, um, guys who I respect, like Peter Schrager coming out and saying, like, it's going to happen. Um, Kingsbury wants him. Um, and so, you know, take that for what you will. But I, I, I definitely did not see it as, as a remote possibility, considering Kime traded up for Rosen last year, gave multiple picks. Um, and I mentioned to you, to this, to you, Blake, off air, if, if they were to give up on Rosen at this point, that's what you'd be doing. Because um, at this point, you know, you traded up to 10 last year. You gave up a third-round pick, a fairly high third-round pick. Can you make that back? I'm not sure. But at the same time, you give up on Josh Rosen, you have essentially gone over in your first-round pick, spanning from 2013 with Jonathan Cooper all the way to 2018 with Josh Rosen. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, you know, it's depicted all on Twitter that the amount of money the Cardinals would have committed at the quarterback position, majority of that would be dead money. I think it's upwards of 25 to $30 million dollars on the cap next year, including what you'd have to probably pay uh, Kyler Murray as the first overall pick. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not foreshadowing anything. I, I could just see if the Cardinals take him, that negotiation uh, being, I don't know, ugly or drawn out. I could just see with his dad and their mindset, um, that could be a little bit of a problem. The holdout could be a problem. So all, all of that to be said, I, I, I think there is a chance that, that Murray is an Arizona Cardinal um, I think we'll know soon uh, whether or not they intend to move Josh Rosen. Blake, you and I were talking about it. I think that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen within the next week or two. Uh, it could happen sooner. The free agency kicks off in about a week and a half. But at the same time, uh, we're going to know before then. But it, I, I still believe at the end of the day, this is smoke from Steve Kime to draw up interest for the first overall pick. So somebody like the Oakland Raiders, and believe what you will, there were reports coming out of the combine that John Groom was openly, openly shopping Derek Carr, uh, something we knew dating back to last year. If they could have traded him at the trade deadline, they would have. Uh, Gruden supposedly wants no part of, of paying him the amount of money that he's owed. I think he's a top five or top seven quarterback uh, on the books next year. They want to start over, and I, I, I do believe they have some interest in Kyler Murray, and so whether this is Kimes' ploy to get John Gruden or – uh, a Giants uh, franchise that's in flex, a quarterback, a Jacksonville Jaguars franchise to come and give you a bounty for Kyler Murray. I do believe deep down that that's what Steve Kime is doing. Um, but there is, you know, I initially said there was 0% chance this is happening. I, I, I give it probably 30% chance now. Um, but if you hmm. listen to the national media, they're, they're saying it's all but a done deal, Blake. Yeah, I, I've kind of been the, a little bit of a difference, but I've gone from 100% not going to happen to 95%. And uh, it's not changing from there because there's really I nothing. I like your confidence. I need yeah, it. There's been nothing that's really changed from the facts, at least with the Cardinals, that I can see from the fact that really when we look at the past couple of moves the Cardinals have made entering from last season when they drafted Rosen to now, the Cardinals essentially have bought into a lot of the things as far as the Rosen in order to trade up 
up for him at the start. So that means that your grade on him would have to then come in. Things went so terrible and so bad that you're willing to essentially dump him because as we've talked about, John, it's not just about the quarterback. You are going to have to basically say, hey, we're swapping out the quarterback if we've got a starter who's decent and this is like a all-pro generational type guy. Like you'd be having to look at Murray as essentially Mahomes 2.0 in my opinion. But a lot of the things as far as why you'd move on from Rosen just still doesn't seem to mesh. Like if Rosen was the problem, you still let go and fired Steve Wilkes and brought in a quarterback guru and if you're going to bring in Cliff Kingsbury at least I think for Josh Rosen and you're bringing in Cliff Kingsbury to say hey we want to take this quarterback develop him make him into a star in this league and then eventually essentially Kingsbury sold you on that as far as for him getting the job and then suddenly you're just going to change course a couple months later once you hit the combine and start changing everything around it just doesn't seem to quite add up as far as, in my opinion, for being able to say this is a legit move. Part of it is also because we'll hear lots and lots of you know crazy things that go on at the Combine, a lot of lies and other things that float around there. Um, what I do want to bring up, at least, John, is like you said and talked about the time frame. If you look at past trades that took place, at least when the Skins traded up for the number two pick from the Rams, it was March 12th. You look at what happened with the Eagles trading up, at least for the, not the number two pick, but the eighth overall pick. They went and they traded up at least, I believe it was on March, was it March 9th? So very, very soon they traded up for the eighth overall pick. What's interesting is that there's so much misinformation that floats out during the season. There was like a legit report I was reading up on that. Uh, one of the, like the bigger NFL reporters was saying, hey, the Eagles are more likely to trade back from the eighth pick than they are to trade up for a quarterback. And then there was reports that the Eagles are going to, after they traded up to two, hey, if they didn't get the quarterback they like, they would then trade back again. So really we know that the Eagles were going to trade up and do whatever it kind of took to acquire Carson Wentz. That was their guy that they had for that year. Um, and then the Eagles are another team, interestingly enough, that invested, I think it was $34 million guaranteed into Chase Daniel and Sam Bradford, unless I'm mistaken, at least. So Cardinals have a lot that's sitting there in front of them. I've been more leaning toward the path because a lot of the logic and from what at least I've talked with people about it so far, I've had some people who like sent messages to me saying, hey, they think it's a done deal to Washington. If other people sent, no, it's not a done deal at all. I honestly don't think that it would be anywhere at this point right after the combine to make that happen. What I think at least is the the puzzle I've been trying to go over is if the Cardinals are trying to sell number one, then why is it that they're all in specifically on Kyler Murray when most people are still considering him to be the second quarterback behind Haskins? It's like this tide between Cliff and him together is just a little a little bit of a storyline the Cardinals have embraced. And I, I did some digging. The Cardinals themselves are putting a lot of this stuff or at least some of this stuff out there as far as for their interests, that's part of why everyone I think is buying in is just because, Hey, whisper here, rumor here, this here. I, I think if it's, if the Cardinals are trying to sell the number one pick, they wouldn't be all in on Kyler Murray saying, Hey, we're taking Kyler. We're taking Kyler. We're taking Kyler. Well, if that's the case, then no one's going to want to trade up to your number one pick if that's the case. I don't think that's necessarily that they're – maybe they're positioning Kyler to see, hey, we're willing to stick with Rosen. We're willing to – we want to draft Kyler. But if you're going to give us this amount of picks, well, then we'll settle with Rosen. I don't know if that's the case as much because some people might just think, eh, well, we're not going to take him then. I think that it's – if you want to trade the pick, you don't – you know, you're not drafting Kyler, obviously. I mean, if everyone thinks they're taking Kyler, no one's going to call because they're, like, saying, hey, uh, we've – didn't think that Murray was going to be on the board. So overall, it's a strange move, and that's kind of why I think a lot of Cardinals fans has, baff has been baffled is because what we'd want to hear from the team is, hey, Josh Rosen's our guy. We'll add a Nick Bosa or a Quentin Williams to this team, or we'll trade back, get a buttload of picks for it. And instead, you're hearing a lot of people just kind of jumping in on this idea that they're going to just dump Josh Rosen pretty quickly, take Kyler, that's it. And so I'm wondering if it's actually the opposite as far as Cardinals are putting all this smoke and stuff out there because they're really intent on, you know, taking a guy like Abosa or Williams. And my guess, John, is that they haven't even fully decided what they're going to do yet. So let, let me pose this question to you. Do you think that a lot of the stuff that Steve Kime is doing, is there all options on the table? Like Rosen can be had for a price. The number one pick can be had for a price. Murray can. What do you think at least is Steve Kime's kind of objective that he's looking at overall with all of this news? What, what do you think at least is what he's trying to do? Because I think that a lot of things could be true and that they're weighing a lot of options, but I don't know if they've, truly decided yet after like you know they, they haven't even you know worked out Kyler at all all they've really done is had one 10 minute interview with him that we've got confirmed and the word of Cliff Kingsbury 
Yeah, that's the tough part, right? Do you need to see Kyler perform in his pro day? You need to see how he weighs in. He, his pro day is not going to be until probably like two or three weeks before the draft, probably sometime uh, in April, I right? Think it, I think it's March, actually. Let me double check. Oh, is it? Is it March? Unless I'm mistaken. Well, I know those pro days bleed into April, and some guys yeah, can some have them, them late. Really I was Oklahoma's early. I think that his pro day, unless I'm mistaken, might be like the first day of free agency. Unless I'm mistaken. Oh, really? Well, there. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I, I, big, I'm big deal on that day. Yeah, I'm disappointed he didn't work out um, just because he committed himself to football and he made a big declaration. I'm going to the combine, and then he doesn't he doesn't run, he doesn't doesn't do the drills. I get not throwing like that used to be a big point of contention, but like you're supposedly you can run what like sub four four. You're one of the fastest players in this draft. Like show us, run at the combine, compete. You know, I I I I think that's kind of a weak play. It may not bother everybody. It you know kind of continues to sour me you've seen the rich eyes interview like i don't know if he's getting poor advice like his father is supposedly really overbearing kind of like a lesser lavar ball to some extent and like i love kyler the player that i saw in college football i have big time question marks about his durability in the nfl um and then i have question marks about his kind of persona off the field this has kind of been a little bit of a me showman you know but you can you can you can argue the same thing about rosen last year that he was he had this bravado about him. He was yep. brat. So, like, clearly they didn't know the Cardinals. So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave that where it is. But, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I don't, I don't think Kime knows what he wants to do yet. I think a lot of it was predicated on how, how Nick Bosa performed, how Quinn and Williams performed, the conversations that he's having with teams about the first overall pick. I mean, he went on Colin Cowherd two weeks ago when all this stuff started to break or about a week and a half ago when the, when the combine kicked off and basically said, like, I will begin listening to offers on the first overall pick yep. after the combine. I have not gotten any offers. Now, granted, he could be just manipulating the media, which he probably has already. But he, he says, I, we frankly, we don't know what to do. But all he definitively, definitively could say was, I, I can't foresee myself taking a quarterback first overall. So you hear that, and then you hear what's coming out of the media's mouth, and you're like, okay, like I don't really know what to believe. And nobody really knows. I mean, it's a, it's a guessing game right, right now. I think it's a little bit of – it's definitely media-driven in the sense that they want – a lot of conversation regarding, like they stole the NFL stole Kyler Murray from Major League Baseball. Yep, he was he was Major League Baseball's talking point throughout and the fall. Someone realized, hey, you're probably going to be a first round pick, and you get all this guaranteed money, and yep. that's why I think a lot of people tied Arizona to him, saying, oh, he'll be the number one pick. But if that's the case, then and I think it was someone, it was people pointed this out. If he's going to be like guaranteed to Arizona, it's a lock. Don't do anything. Why does he have a? He doesn't have to have a pro day. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it, like, you know, they don't play or they'll do it the pro day just to like make sure like I, because there's if you're like completely promised it's a done deal it's set in stone if uh, so most people believe last year was sam darnold to the cleveland browns he still had his pro day and guess what sam darnold was a jet baker mayfield went to the browns there's a lot that still is obviously here to play out and we can think that we know what it is and people will talk up a lot at the combine but Really, it's. I think that it's an area that we're putting a lot of too many eggs into this basket, and partially because people are just falling in love with this concept and idea because it's fascinating. Then, if okay, well, if the Cardinals take in, then who's Rosen going to? Here's how these dominoes fall. I think people are jumping onto that part of the story. Yeah, they want they want they want a legitimate story. They they love the the hype around this kid. Well, you know, and he's a he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He was phenomenal on the field. He was the best collegiate college football quarterback last year by by a good amount right i think haskins translates better than to the nfl but we're not talking about that right we're talking about who was the best college football player last year and it was kyler murray based on the votes that he got they stole him from major league baseball they like they steal everything else like they steal time from the nba season with the combine that's that's why they spread all this out and so they're they're pumping up their their big story and, and rightfully so like if i was in the media i'd connect the dots and do the same thing but at the end of the day you've got got cardinal uh, Mar- uh vp of public relations or communications or whatever mark dalton basically coming out on twitter and not uh, declaring it like you know hogwash but he's basically saying like hey guys like like what are you what are you doing here you know he's the same guy who debunked the andy reed is 99 percent done being the cardinal sex coach like you got you know other, a other tweet too that was like a Schefter tweet yeah that, that, that and was i was excited about that when that when that happened i I, wa- I wanted Andy Reid for the next head coach of this team, but he he's been very good about like listen everybody like clearly it's it's the silly season it's the off season let's let this play out nobody's made a decision yet I, I at the end of the day I think that the conversation that predominantly is going to be had 
in my opinion, now this is just me, mm-hmm. is the Cardinals are going to decide whether or not it's worth trading down from one to wherever, hopefully four, or taking Nick Bosa. Like I, I believe that that's the conversation. I love Quentin Williams. He's a he disruptor. Was a he's a big, he's a big time. He's a big time player. He, in my opinion, he is right. A, a notch, not even a notch, like a quarter of a notch below Nick Bosa. Not to mention Nick Bosa plays a more valuable position. We've already heard Steve Kime come out and talk about the importance of Vance Joseph's defense that is so predicated on outside pass rushers and corners. Now, you have to have a capable defensive line, but, I mean, like, theoretically, you could get a D-tackle in free agency. You could get a D-tackle at the top of the third round. Like, there's only one Nick Bosa in this draft. So, you're. we talked about it last week, Blake. You opt to trade down. You better sure. You better be sure that the, number one, the player you get at four is is not comparable, but close to somebody who you take at number one, yep. and that you better get a bounty of picks on top of that. Because if you trade down, you are gifting Nick Bosa, who backed it up this weekend, to the San Francisco 49ers. That's the player that they want. Um, I, I'm fully in the, the the mindset that they will take him if he's available at two, which they should. Uh, they've taken an abundance of defensive tackles. Some have worked. Some have worked out. They're not taking Quentin Williams at two. And I, in my opinion, there's no other player even you know c- capable of of being that pick right now. As we sit, you know, roughly I don't know how many days out from the draft, about oh, a month and a half away from the draft. So that that's the conversation that I that I want and choose to believe that they're having right now. If they're able to trade down, though, Blake, we, we'll talk about it more in depth. Steve Kahn loves his picks, and he knows that this roster is full of holes to his doing. And, uh, and if he can <laughs> a yeah. trade with the Oakland Raiders and, and pry away at least one of those first-round picks in the 20s, preferably 24, maybe get their pick at the top of the second, suddenly you're talking about potentially adding Quentin Williams at pick number four, a player you might have considered at the first overall pick, and then – adding two top 40 picks on top of that, that to me, I believe, is is too enticing to pass on. But again, it takes two to tango. But we've seen them last offseason, even though he had the conversation with Reggie McKenzie, it was John Gruden who proposed that trade-up or, or agreed to it, right? They have a relationship. They did it last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm telling people, do not discount the, op- the fact that the, the Oakland Raiders could trade up following or immediately following a, a trade of Derek Carr here in the next week, week and a half. I, I, I think that that is more likely, in my opinion, than Kyler Murray becoming an Arizona Cardinal. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting is because if that's what Kaim has done all along is just tried to leverage and drive up the price for the number one pick and knowing that that's the guy that Gruden wants, then, hey, you could just say that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. I do think at least overall with looking at the people I've talked to and know, whether it's the team sources, like even talked about the Cardinals media relations, people who I know of and have trusted to at least have come through with information who are not just information brokers with rumors, but are like verifiably one of those, hey, we want to make sure we get this right. There's a lot of news that it's talking about here's what the Cardinals are telling teams as for what they think will actually happen they're all saying well it's pretty obviously like it's going to be I think Bosa and they're sticking with Rosen maybe there's a chance I think it can echo what Kent Summers talked about he said I think they'll look long and they'll look hard at Murray maybe just to make sure you're not passing on a guy who is going to be like the next mini Mahomes a guy who could you know lead you to that spot but they're ultimately going to work on building the team and being able to fill in that spot across from Chandler Jones it would take Bosa and then essentially uh, it would take I take from what I said I, I don't think there's a lot that's changed from what I talked about previously where I think the Cardinals if they get three first round picks or Nick Bosa I don't think that the combine really changed much just to kind of go over with the performance at least we can get into some of the combine winners and losers but what Nick essentially did was basically took everything that his brother was a top three pick did and outdid it with his athleticism and some of the other guys stock fell for the most part like Josh Allen didn't run the 40 maybe at his pro day he'll be able to get timed better Brian Burns gained a lot of weight and essentially ran in a I believe it was like a four, five, three crazy speed time. At least he would be kind of the guy where if you're going to trade back and still wanted to get an edge rusher at the fourth pick, who's there. DK Metcalf had another huge opportunity to be the first wide receiver drafted. He took advantage of it with one of the kind of craziest, you know, (laughs) speed runs that we've ever seen for a guy, his size. And then, you know, completely like flopped as far as with the agility and change of direction drill. So, you know, he's maybe, uh, maybe you're going to end up starting to see comparisons like, well, he's like a 228 pound 
what is it, J.J. Nelson or something would be like the most disparaging thing you could think of him for that one. But, John, what, what were kind of the biggest takeaways that you had that were not Kyler related from this last combine? Yeah, I think a couple of the guys that just stuck out to me, I mean, Montez Sweat, how can you not look at his domination um, over the weekend? Um, he is somebody I think that a lot of people thought would be somewhere probably in the middle of the first round, maybe fall into the 20s. He's, he's part of a uh, an edge rushing class, I think, that could be historic. Um, but he was kind of in that second or third tier coming into this weekend, and to put on the kind of performance that he did at 6'6", roughly 260 pounds, a true 4-3 defensive end, um, to run the 40 in 4-4-1, I mean, that's that's absurd. Um, his vertical drop was 36. His, his um, three-cone drill was seven, uh, seven seconds flat. I mean, it's just he put on the kind of performance, I think, that is going to warrant him a top-10 selection. I I saw some good things from Josh Allen this weekend. Um, I did see some stiffness in his mobility. I think that there, the he is not the kind of athlete I think that, that we all know that Nick Bosa is. And then now you start to hear some chirpings of could, could Montez Sweat potentially bypass somebody like Josh Allen? And why I feel that's relevant is because if the Cardinals were to trade down to pick four mm-hmm. and, and, and Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams are gone, like suddenly do you have that conversation? Now, I – I, I don't love Montez Sweat as a 3-4 outside linebacker, um, but Alden Smith did it, and he, I think he was That's roughly 6-5. Six, six um, and I remember that draft spe- specifically saying, like, I like Alden Smith. I don't think he works in a 3-4. And then the Niners took him, and Vic Fangio made him a, you know, a, 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 he would have been a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, if he stayed on his trajectory. He was a freak. Um, and is Montez Sweat that same kind of player? Uh, he backed it up in the SEC, played on a bad team. Uh, but he's getting his chance to shine right now. He was one of the more impressive players that I saw. Um, you know, a couple other guys that I that I thought you know really helped themselves. You know, Rashawn Gary's in that conversation as well. Like he, 13 sacks in, in 2018. Um, played on one of the best defenses in the country. Played for Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, a, a, was in a, a pro style program in the sense that like a lot of pro players on the Michigan team. And a lot of good players in the Big Ten. So you figure, okay, if he works out well. I mean, I thought he helped himself a lot. I think he looked incredibly mm-hmm. fluid and, and powerful in the individual drills. I Like, theoretically, Blake, how many edge rushers could we have in the, in the top Ooh. ten alone? You talk about Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Gary, Sweat. And then you talk about these, these off-the-ball linebackers like the, the Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush that, that looked fantastic running in the four fours. I mean, like it is a historic defensive draft, a defensive front seven draft. Um, and usually if you're picking in the top 10, like you need some help defensively. So um, Devin Bush is probably somewhere going to go in the, in the teens, I would imagine. But, but Devin White to me, he his 40 time. I think submitted him as a, as a top 10 pick. So then you talk about, okay, like not all these guys can go in the top 10 picks. So then right. you, Start going through those notions like okay i don't love the idea if they trade rose and like if if you can get somebody like miami or, or washington interested and you got pick 13 or 15 like could you get an at oliver at that point um and walk away with kyler murray and at oliver and then you're then you're talking about okay you know it's 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 not my favorite situation but at the same time like i would be fine with i would i'm like i would be able to say okay i can accept that if you're being able to like get an elite talent player right say as a quarterback because then you're essentially being able to you know the worst the key scenario for me i see is if you can only get say a pick number 15 at least with however it worked Mm -hmm. out with josh rosen you're going to be taking in the second tier of players as far as Mm -hmm. you're going to be outside of that i think you need to get elite talent on this team so that's where I think there's a, there's a that's the one thing is now of course the other hand of that is if you are going to be moving on from Josh Rosen you're going to be essentially looking at being in a buyer's market not a seller's market because mm-hmm. you're essentially having to move on so I could see a, them having to wait up until there's a draft day trade to try to maximize value because yeah you're going to have to essentially like your goal for your for the Cardinals is to either get the best player in the draft or to be able to trade back and get a lot more picks, or essentially be able to say, hey, we're going to have to make sure that that 33rd pick that we have is going to be a really, really valuable pick to get that guy who falls out of the first round. You want to make sure the Cardinals walk away from this draft thinking, hey, we've got our impact player that we have, and we've got a second impact player. 
or you want to walk away saying we've got our quarterback and a guy who can kind of make up for the fact that we're passing on Nick Bosa. And I don't believe that second one's really going to be that much of an option unless you're essentially like sending Rose into the Giants for pick number six. And I don't believe that a team is going to give up that much for Josh. If they do, then I, I feel kind of, you know, sad for them. Sad in some case for the Cardinals, at least for having missed on a player, at least. But for the most part, that's where I think you're at right now is this is a not a seller's market for the Cardinals. And I think that that's what the toughest thing is if Steve Kahn, by making this statement here, is essentially giving up. If he really wants to take Kyle Murray, he gives up any leverage that he had on Josh Rose and just kind of goes away for the most part teams are going to be inquiring and maybe that's all he's trying to do is get an accurate assessment of what's the value that teams have on Rosen what's the value we have here what do we really have maybe that's part of it but I think we'll find out more about that in the next uh, over the next uh, couple of days uh, I did want to talk at least a little bit about just some of the winners and losers that we're seeing from the combines let's start with just the offensive line John some of the offensive linemen that I was looking forward to, I didn't get to see as much from Jawan Taylor, but I did get to end up seeing Chris Lindstrom and um, one of my, one of the prospects I've been really intrigued by Andre Dillard had a very like uh, Dillard had a combine where I don't think he's going to be there at pick 33. Maybe because you say the guy that we've talked about is there, but Dillard is a guy who he may end up kind of cracking at least one of those upper ranges of like the Ronnie Staley top 10 type of tackles that you're seeing in this class. What would you see as far as from the offensive lineman and a disappointing running back class on the first day of the NFL draft? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'll start. Combine, sorry. Yeah, yeah, well, we're getting to yeah, the draft. We'll, we'll get to the draft. I've got a couple months still. Yeah, I said on Twitter, I, it's a good year not to need an, an elite running back because, I mean, like, there'll, there'll always be surprises, right? Guys that are drafted day two, day three that come out of nowhere and productive backs go for 1,000 yards or, or whatever. But it's there aren't the quintessential workload carrier guys that you see that jump off the tape and had those phenomenal college football seasons and – there's no Saquon Barkley uh, in this class. Obviously, he's a uh, you know phenomenal talent. Um, there are a lot of guys who you know probably can crack maybe at the top 50. But at the end of the day, like it's it's such a rich defensive class. And you know when Kareem Hunt and David Johnson are going late day two. I mean, when these guys that yeah. come in and produce. You know, I, I think you, you saw what Damian Williams did with Kansas City last year, basically picking him off the scrap heap, and he's going to be their feature back this year. I, I don't want to say the position's devalued, but at the same time, like, it kind of is. And so um, it's, it's a good thing that the Cardinals, I think, have a capable running back group. Uh, I like that the stable that they have, and I like what Cliff's been saying about David Johnson. Um, as far as the offensive line class, you know, I, Andre Biller, to me, Blake, is, is somebody that, again – if you're if you have the opportunity to trade down and you're in, if you have a pick between six or seven and fifteen and he's available, um, pack pack twelve pack ten guy. However, they they do their conference now. Um, he was a stud. He was an all conference player. I think yep. he was a second team all American player. Played in a pro style offense. Is somebody that could come in and just stone the left side of your offensive line for you. He, uh, I believe, broke f uh, five flat in the 40. I think he ran like somewhere in the, the four, four, nine, six and, and, and repped uh, 24 reps on the bench press. I mean, six, five, three, fifteen. 15, um, his arm. He's, like, a, think, he's a big boy for arm length. I mean, like you look at him and it's like, this is what uh, left tackle should look like. A senior who wasn't injured in college and, again, um, I, I think he's been starting ever since he was a redshirt freshman, then became the Wazoo's left tackle for all 13 games in 2016. Mm -hmm. So, like, this guy knows how to play the position. He was a four-year starter, high-character high guy, high-intellect. Um, you know, like, he, he's somebody that I would think would make a lot of sense for this team um, if they're in that position. I just – I don't think they're going to be, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other top – tackle slash guard that people you know love to the key on a, of course is Jonah Williams who yep. oh, looked okay uh you know if it looked fine I, he's not the kind of athlete I think we all like to make him out to be I think he's going to be good value for somebody like who's probably picking in the latter half of the first round I, I don't clearly he's not a top 10 pick at this point especially when you've got folks saying like He'll be a good average tackle, but he's going to be a really good guard. And it's like yeah, the, the athleticism was very, very high. And I think when you're looking at what's happened with Taylor and the others, I've, I I agree with you. I think that he's kind of all of a sudden going to kind of drop down a tier. Mm -hmm. Maybe you end up seeing the fact of like maybe he ends up turning into a guy who just 
puts the work in. His arms did measure in long enough for that one where I think that he is a tackle. But maybe yeah. look at Mike McGlinchey as kind of his ceiling. But yeah, I you think would, that's you the would ceiling, so. not the floor. People have been comparing him to Joe Staley, but not as great of an athlete. Staley had short arms coming out. He's been a great pro for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't, I don't see Joe Staley. Joe Staley, I believe, went in, somewhere in the teens that year that the Niners yeah. had IU Potty. Uh, they went back to back in the first round. They had two first that year. I think Jonah Williams is going to be a, a solid player, and somebody's going to get good value back half of the first round. But he is like we were talking about it, you know, during the season, and he performed well this year. Give him credit as somebody that could be a top five pick. He's not that. I think if there was a tackle that was, um, you know, considered a top five pick, I think he'd be in discussion for the number one pick. I think the Cardinals would consider a tackle first overall. Just not that player in the draft, which is unfortunate. But there are. So many quality players, yep. again, that are going to be available probably from pick 20 to 50 or 45, you're talking about. And the, the, the nice thing about the Cardinals, and I want to emphasize nice, they need linemen everywhere. They can, they can be particular. They can just say, who's the best available lineman? We'll figure it out later. We don't have anybody, even Mason Cole, who I like. Like, if you find a center who's been a stud in college who projects better than Mason Cole, like, you pick that player and you figure out the rest later. Maybe you kick cold guard or you start the rookie at guard, something like that. But the Cardinals are in a position, I think, that that's the biggest thing is the time has come out in the media and said, like, the offensive line was an embarrassment. He didn't say that exactly, but that is my priority this offseason. So I, I think they're going to address it, obviously, in free agency. They're, they're going to have to. And I, I think that we're going to see multiple picks spent probably from day two um, into the early portion of day three on guys that they can plug and play. And uh, again, it speaks to the idea of trading down with Oakland. That is, that is your best way, in my opinion. You, you lose on a, uh, on a talent like Boza, and that, that would be difficult. But you would hopefully recoup the opportunity to not only get a really good player at four, that's an impact player, but then you're looking at if you have pick 24 and potentially pick 35, I believe that's their second round pick. Theoretically, now you're talking about you're going to have 24, 33, 34, 35, or 36. So 24, let's just say 36. 24, 33, 36. I mean, you could spend two of those picks on offensive linemen and, and essentially have a, a very nice building block on top of what you added in free agency to go into this year and protect Josh Rosen. I think Kime looks at that as an opportunity to really kind of kickstart um, hopefully what will be the, a successful era in the Kingsbury offense. Yeah, and especially since when you're talking about the Cardinals and what they need, they do have a lot of holes everywhere. You can fill those holes, but a lot of times, remember, when you're talking about the draft, this it's different from free agency because your expectation is not that you're going to see the – the Josh Rosen start every game. You're not going to see the Christian Kirk play every game as a major role. You're not going to see your starting center as Mason Cole. You're not going to see, you know, a running back in the fourth round get a, a pretty decent workload on offense, though, as part like they saw. The Cardinals were a wreck last year in part because they just were drained of talent, at least of all of these aging older veterans. They still signed a lot of veterans who essentially were not as great. And so then they had to turn to a lot of those rookies when those vets just didn't work out and didn't play as well. So that's where I'm in the boat on is as nice as it is to talk about the draft and looking at the impact players, you're still going to end up striking out and missing on at least one or two. This history seems to show like uh, the best example I gave at least is if you look at how the, the Tennessee Titans, at least for that one, with the picks that they traded back from, you know, you're looking at guys like Johnu Smith as a tight end. You're looking at they got a tackle that was there as well as kind of a smaller, pass, a lesser tier of pass rusher. Um, you were able to kind of reach out and be able to get in enough picks. I believe you were able to, you know, get your Corey Davis the next year. But overall, when you look at the draft picks that were there from what the Titans traded down from when they could have had Joey Bosa or Jalen Ramsey. Titans would be a better team, I think, right now if they had both on their team or if they had Ramsey because impact players like that are really what change a game most. Well, you can flash out and can find other guys who are role players. Turn around quicker. We've seen the Titans have made the playoffs. We've also seen the uh, the team that traded down uh, in the Cleveland Browns, at least, essentially were able to leverage a lot of those picks to add a lot. But it wasn't until that they had John Dorsey take over that those picks kind of started <laughs> to be worthwhile. So that's where I'm at kind of right now is, is that I would be more against trading down unless there's an offer that blows you away just because even though I like the depth that's here, I, I still lean toward the idea of if you can get a guy who's a contributor and elite talent and then at 33, 
you get another one. I think that's probably the best bet for the Cardinals. Like I, somebody even mentioned, I think it was even our, our friend Ben Albright who mentioned, if you're the Cardinals and you're taking Kyler Murray at one, couldn't you be better served off even taking a DK Metcalf, who's like, if you think he's a number one legit wide receiver, doesn't he help your team more now as far as being able to get that with Cliff's offense than it does switching out, going to a rookie quarterback? And I'm like, on some level, I think I'd agree. It, it just really depends on what your grade would be on Kyler. And we've even talked about the fact that Haskins went through with the combine, wasn't the most athletic guy, but he's a guy who I think most people would have his quarterback one, but everyone's linking Kyler because of Rosen. So uh, not to kind of get all the way back on the Kyler train, but it's just, it's an interesting situation because there's a lot that is open and it's not just a simple cut and dry of uptake most of that's it. It's not quite like that this year. And some of it is because of the Cardinals own doing they've had a lot of intrigue that's been created in this pick. And I, I think that's a good thing for Steve Kyman. I've decided to kind of embrace the chaos in that sense, at least. And so uh, what I'll ask and pose to you, John, is let's embrace the chaos all the way. Let's say that this happens. We find out Rosen, like we wake up tomorrow, he's been traded to the Redskins or something like that one for pick 15. Kyle Murray's going to be essentially their next quarterback. What are your thoughts and what is kind of the biggest thing that goes through with your mind when you would hear that? Uh, and let's hear that in person because I don't know if you'd be able to tweet it out or not. Yeah, so on a personal level, I would be disappointed because I have to uh, stop tweeting from that account um, and probably wouldn't continue on Twitter, at least like publicly. Um, so that would be number one. Number two is I have doubts about Kyler Murray. I've shared that consistently since day one. I, I worry about his size holding up. I don't think he's too small to play in the NFL. I worry about his durability. Um, he, he bulked up uh, clearly. He didn't, didn't, he didn't work the out the combine. Yeah, and he bulked <laughs> yeah. up. So it's didn't like throw the combine because I know yeah. it makes sense. I wouldn't throw the combine either when you've got the shortest arms, I think. In like, and they say it's not like shortest arms. Like he, no one's got arms as short as his was. It's been like an NFL player. And no, but he clearly put on, put on some kind of water weight yeah. to be able to come in and weigh over 200 pounds. That's great. Like, what's your and play Tyree weight? Jackson is 6'7". Yeah, when you – That would be the one thing I would be like, I understand why he didn't throw. Like, it's not a negative to me that he didn't go and throw and do all that at the combine. It's him controlling his process, but it's still an area where you'd like to see that weight. Yeah, like you're going to you're gonna be practicing in 100-degree weather in Arizona, and you're going to lose probably 10 pounds in a practice – and you played last year at 185, like, you're not going to last in the NFL. Like, you know, you're going to look like J.J. Nelson out there who's, you know, 170, 175 on his best day. So my concerns are from a durability standpoint. I think he could be a flash in the pan, really nice player, have some success early on. But, like, Deshaun Watson's getting beat up, and Deshaun Watson's got, you know, multiple inches and probably 20 pounds on him. And, and so I, I'm concerned about his durability. That has always been my biggest concern. Never did I question his ability to play. Usually with running quarterbacks, we question their accuracy. That is not a problem for him. He's got a monster arm. I don't worry about the height thing from a, from a playing standpoint. I just think when you're a smaller athlete, smaller athletes get hurt. And that's just like – and the Russell Wilson comp I don't think is legitimate because Wilson is an outlier. He was picked in the third round. Um, and I, I think that the Cardinals taking, taking an outlier first overall is dangerous. If you want to take a quarterback, I would take Dwayne Haskins because we've seen it time and time again, that prototypical big physical player, even though he's not setting the world ablaze and running four four forties, like he, he couldn't break five flat. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter to me. He's an athlete. When I watch him on college game day on Saturdays, destroying everybody in the big 10. So how would I feel about it? I would. There would be some excitement in the sense that, like, I know I, – I can tell you right now, and this is probably not a good thing for Josh Rosen, the players on the team that, that went through what they went through, specifically on the defensive side last year, your Patrick Petersons, your Chandler Jones, they would be excited about this addition. They wouldn't come out and say that publicly, mm -hmm, but you know – after watching what took place – and I'm sure a lot of them would tell you it's not all on Rosen – but to bring in the Heisman Trophy winner, the attention that that would bring this franchise, this franchise looked dead in the water last year, could not have been a worse watch in the league. You get Kyler Murray, you're going to be on probably Sunday Night Football one time. You're going to oh, get him on open the, You better be open the season on Sunday. Yeah, you're going, you're going to, you're going to, you are going to be on TV. Like you're going to have eyes on the product and, and, you know, say what you want about Patrick Peterson. The biggest reason he wanted traded is because the Cardinals are irrelevant, in my opinion. That, and I think that that's kind of what his mindset was. So, from a from a national perspective, um, you would get a lot of press, which the team's getting now. Uh, and then, second, um, I think he would 
he would perform well early on. But man, every time he'd take a snap, I'd, I'd hold my breath if he if he was going to go down. And I watched Josh Rosen get his ass kicked for 16 games last year and continue to get up. So that that those would be my initial reactions. Um, and I I would be remiss if I didn't say that I would be disappointed that Joey Bo or excuse me Joey Nick Bosa wasn't going to be an Arizona Cardinal. I've been I've been pretty dead set on that as as one of my top choices. If they and clearly my top choice if they say it one one. I think that's the yeah, so. He probably be poetic up. justice if he if he yeah. blew up Kyler Murray next year and Kyler Murray knock on wood like I don't want this to happen but got hurt so and then the last point is where does Josh Rosen go does he go to a competent franchise like if he went to Miami I would not be concerned because I don't think they're a big boy franchise I don't think they're going to be competitive certainly as long as that ownership is involved or as long as Bill Belichick's in that division uh, you could probably say the same thing about Washington um, but like you ship Josh Rosen to New England you ship Josh Rosen to Pittsburgh. You ship him somewhere. First of all, I don't want a pick in the twenties for Rosen. You got to give me something in the top half of the draft. You get you give him to a competent franchise. He's going to figure it out. He's going to produce in this league. Um, but you better be damn sure that Kyler Murray is going to be going to be a stud. That that there's going to be a lot of a lot of question marks. Um, I would feel bad for Josh. I, I would feel bad that he have, he'd have to go through this again because I know last year wasn't on him. So that's why I'm hoping it doesn't happen. But, like, you know, at least at the end of the day, like, I've, I've ridden this team so hard for the past five years because of the number one reason is they didn't have a quarterback in waiting. They didn't yeah. have a franchise quarterback. At least you'd have one again. And the silver lining would be you'd have him on the first year of your five-year rookie deal. So you're not going to pay him um, a, a year later like you would with Josh Rosen. So that would be my right. reaction. Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. Like the Cardinals would essentially be hitting the reset button where you wouldn't expect much from them last year. I'm even talked about like and kind of jokingly was like, imagine poor Larry Fitzgerald coming back for another year and having another rookie quarterback. Like you'd get attention for that, but you'd almost be expecting immediate help or immediate improvement from the Cardinals because they're bringing in Murray and because of the athleticism. Murray would have to have to be a stud. Like you can't yeah. you can't sit him. He'd have to play and and, and show out next mm -hmm. year. You ha you're, you're banking on that too. Yep, and so that's the biggest thing I think that's interesting is is that your the timeline for Steve Kime all of a sudden becomes like, hey, we made all these moves, took all this for that one, and then it's like, oh, by the way, we're trading for Case Keenum. We'll start him this season because you know Murray's not going to be quite ready. That, that's one of those things you can't do. I wouldn't expect. No, that that would not fly at all. Yeah, and it would still be there's still struggles. Like even when you look at even the best quarterbacks, like uh, even with Baker Mayfield, people are like he's still set you know the rookie touchdown record, but a lot of that was that crazy second half after the first like ten games were essentially just a dead in the water where he was on a similar level of eh, slightly ahead of Allen, slightly ahead of Durham, slightly ahead of Rosen. And uh, even though Rosen didn't end up like showing up, like he never threw for the 300 yard game probably should have against the, the Seahawks, obviously. But that's where I think we're kind of looking at all of this is that you're going to need to see like, you know, an instant explosion from him. And my kind of worry that I have at least, and this is the comparison I had was it's almost like you're looking at this kind of lock RG three, Tannehill type of discussion the question is which one is which like you're not sure is it the one you have currently in Rosen is it like a Dwayne Haskins where you should be opening up hey let's open up the door to scout all the quarterbacks at one or you're going to be looking at uh, with Kyler Murray and saying is this guy going to be like the future of the league like is he going to be like a Mahomes Wilson or is he going to be a flash in the pan the concerns that I have when I've looked at Murray as I've, I've talked about before is that with the scheme and everything, the production, the talent he had around him, a lot of things are pretty easy. He had like five NFL offensive linemen. He had a lot of struggles throwing over the middle of the field in that 11 to 19 range. Like he did, was not a good intermediate passer. He had a deep throwing ball where he had a heck of an arm to be able to throw the ball and hit guys deep. You know, having a guy like Hollywood Brown and a CD Lamb, I'm sure helps with all of that. He was really good as far as on the quick short passes, which I know that's part of why I think people are looking at the Kingsbury offense. And it's the athleticism of having legs to run, having an arm to throw that can be really big. But there's a lot of things that are interesting of Rona Rosen's strengths last year was being able to hit that, those guys in that intermediate range, kind of where Kurt Warner made a living off of. So they're almost like polarizing prospects at this rate. And I think that's what's interesting is you're essentially going to be, you know, just having to say, we're taking everything that we thought about a quarterback and kind of reversing it. So I'm, I'm still of the opinion, at least overall, that we're still going to see Rosen as their quarterback. I'm, obviously, we'll reserve some of the right to be wrong. But one of the things I did want to bring up also to kind of move on back to the combine is with the other position groups the Cardinals looking at, which is the tight end and wide receiver groups. We had a huge combine for the tight ends and especially the wide receivers. Uh, I wanted to hear some of your thoughts, at least, John, because uh, the two guys that I'm going to be looking at for the most part um, – 
Cardinals fans will be looking at Nikhil Harry a lot. He had a, a solid combine, especially at his size. Didn't run the a blazing 40, but two guys that Cardinals coaches have been connected to outside of, and we're talking about the cliff connection. Antoine Wesley, a wide receiver, didn't run the 40, but did well on the other drills. Weighed in as a, a very skinny guy, but tall with a very uh, very lengthy frame. And Andy Isabella essentially like came out, he was like running in the four fives. People were like, okay, that's that was unexpected. Then came back and said, sorry, we, we timed that wrong. He was running a 4-3-1, <laughs> some people timed him at a 4.27. Cardinals have, coach, have a coach on their staff who coached him essentially at Maryland. So that would be one of the interesting names to watch when you're looking at as far as finding a guy who – you know, you could pair with Larry, who could play on the outside, who really fits that Cliff Kingsbury speedster wide receiver who can line up all over the field type of a role to be able to get separation. Uh, that would be one of the guys I'd be really curious to see if the Cardinals could look at him. I don't even know if it'd go as high as 33 would be seem high, but, you know, you're running in the low four threes, maybe that's the tax you pay. Or looking at the third round. Uh, what were some of the standouts or other thoughts that you had from the combine on the offensive side of the ball, John? Yeah, I don't know how you don't talk about Noah Fant, the performance he had, tight end from the University of Iowa, um, solidified himself, I think, as the draft's top tight end, in my, in my opinion. I think he and his Iowa counterpart are both going to be first-round picks. I think I think Fant is the right now the prototypical NFL tight end that you look for that has the size uh, of the position at 6'4", 6'4 250. But when he put on the show that he did running a four five forty with also being able to you know, and it's it, they're not great numbers in compared to somebody like DK Metcalf, who, who just is an absolute freak show right now. I don't know what to make of him, but fan I know put on a, a clinic of his own right, has 33 and a half inch arms, looked tremendous in the three cone drill, vertical jumped almost 40 inches, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, I think he's somebody that could come in right away and contribute as a rookie. Um, assuming Josh Rosen's their quarterback, Rosen loves the tight end and needs a competent tight end. Um, tremendous player. Um, you know he can block uh, because of, of his his head coach in Iowa uh, uh, is an offensive line specialist. So um, his pro comp right now is Eric Ebron. I think he's I think he's got better hands than Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron showed you this year uh, what a lot of people saw coming out of UNC that he, he is an ultimate playmaker. Uh, he, this this is a matchup nightmare for a lot of defenders, and I think he's somebody again. We talk about it, depending on where the Cardinals are at late in the first round, if they trade up from 33 and they want to go get somebody like this who's a difference maker, or if you pry away one of those two picks in the 20s from Oakland, I think Noah Fan is somebody that, that, I, that I could see them targeting just because, you know, you need a difference maker on the offensive line, but you also need a difference maker as a pass catcher. You're kind of compromising in that sense. Like, we'll get somebody who we can say can help us in the run game a little bit, even though... You know, traditionally, his best attribute is to is to hit the seam route and go right. Um, he's somebody I thought looked looked really impressive. You know, none of the other position players that that you know I was targeting before the draft. You know, Dwayne Haskins to me, I thought I thought looked really good. I know he's not a position of need, but at the same time, you know, I I think he's he's somebody that you know on the surface is going to be a ten year, fifteen year starter in this league. He just has all the physical traits that you look for. Um, you know. Uh, Nikhil Harry, to me, solidified himself as a first-round pick. Um, yeah. I, I think that he is somebody that, to pipe dream now, thinking he's going to fall to 33. I think there was some momentum in, in, in those talks pre-combine that he was not necessarily a first-round pick anymore. Inconsistent speed. You wonder, is he is he a little heavy? Uh, he silenced, I think, all of his critics this week. He had very competent 40 times for his size. Uh, I think he's a much more fluid route runner than somebody like DK, DK Metcalf. Um, you watch him on film. He's got way better. He's got way better tape. I think he's got better hands. He's a difference maker. He's an outside receiver in this league. I think that's, that's a, a consistent 1000 yard receiver in the NFL. Yep. And again, you talk about those two picks in the twenties, like, would it surprise me at all if the Cardinals were able to snatch pick 24 from Oakland and, and take him, um, you, you, you pair him with local product and Christian Kirk, and you've got two local guys and Larry Fitzgerald next year. When you talk about upgrading your receiving core by default, that, that is a big-time group heading into 2019. Um, he, he, he is somebody I think I, – I really do believe if, if that offensive line is a priority, but I think he, he could be the one player that trumps that based on his, his position within the Valley. We saw what Pat Tillman did uh, on a larger scale being the local product at Arizona State. We saw when the team passed on Terrell Suggs, local product that wanted to play in Arizona, they passed on him. 
Now, and who's the linebacker for Cincinnati that, that was from Arizona State? Montez. Oh, Montez, yeah. perfect. That they could have taken and, and has been a productive player. Say what you want. Do the Cardinals let yet another local product who's clearly a capable mm-hmm. first-round pick at a position of need slip through their fingers? I, I think that that is, that, is a, that is a talking point now because he, he clearly deserves to be a first-round pick now. You can't say they would overdraft him if they, if they took him at 24-27. So – those two players, to me, I, I like both of those those individuals for this team. Other than that, like, really, the, the rest of these receivers, I believe if the Cardinals want to target them, uh, I would think they'd have to do it with their third-round pick and, 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 and beyond. I, I think you can take multiple receivers even on day three, and they can contribute. Uh, I think you could trade a day three pick for a veteran receiver. You, you've got an abundance of comp picks now that you can move that are now tradable assets. I think those, I think those top 50 picks – have to be spent on cornerstone players. Um, and I think that Metcalf and, and Harry, to me, Keel Harry, are, have separated themselves. You're not going to get DK Metcalf. You would think that he's, he's inserted himself into the top, top 12, five. maybe. I think yeah, he might be top. in the top five, especially when you look at with how Gruden loves his big, fast receiver. Yeah, like, like, wonder like, if he's just like, we're not about that Nick Bosa guy, man. We got to get another receiver for Derek Carr because they just traded yeah. away Amari Cooper. So yeah. I, I, think, I think those I are the – Jets could take him for Darnold, too. Absolutely. I, I The rest of this receiver class, like, again, take take your chances late on day two or early on day three, great. But what we've seen historically, Blake, and we talk about it every week, the, the offensive linemen that stick in this league, that contribute, that are turned into good players, have to be say, taken within somewhere in the in the first three rounds, somewhere in the yep. top 100. The Cardinals, as it stands right now, only, has, only have three picks in the top 100, and you would assume that their first pick is not going to be on an offensive lineman. And right. this, this team has to start building continuity through the draft on the O-line. So I know people want to go crazy about receivers and maybe a corner. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday night. The corners are going to show off tomorrow on Monday. But you, at some point, you have to create a, a foundation um, up front of guys that you draft and develop. These, these players that they're going to target in free agency, for the most part, they have to because they have to spend money. They have to replenish the bodies up front. They're going to be older players. Guys, guys like Roger Saffold, he's past 30. He's, he's played a lot of games for the Rams. His body's at the point now where, like, what kind of production are you going to get? Find somebody who's young, who's hungry, who's going to come in and perform for you, who you can develop. They haven't had a local guy make the Pro Bowl, I think, since Lomas Brown, but I don't think they even drafted oh, yeah, him. I think gotcha. he was a former line. Like, it's been, it, it's been really since, like, the Dan Duros of the world since this team has drafted and developed a quality offensive lineman. So I, 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 say, I say this with, with caution that fall in love with these guys in shorts, but if you can't pass protect, we saw it last year, it doesn't matter who's playing receiver for you. Right. And I think it's interesting when we're talking about that with the tight ends, because, you know, we look at some of the player comps that are there, especially with using the mock draftable site, which I know some of our listeners do end up using a look at that one. It's an interesting way of being able to kind of visualize where guys kind of compared to what I thought was interesting was the comparisons as far as with when it lines up, here's where your athletic profile is. Here's where it is versus all the other people who are there. Like uh, for a laugh, if you want to there, look at Kyler Murray's and just, you'll be able to see like just how, you know, he's an total outlier in that sense. But what was interesting was looking at the comparison for the TJ Hawkinson, he got a comparison at least with Tyler Eifert, which, you know, makes a lot of sense for them. You're talking about a, you know, a big guy who's not going to be like your all world athlete, but it's like your consistent pass catching tight end. You want to look at uh, the guy you talked about with Noah Font. He had comparisons kind of with Evan Ingram. I like, kind of think that he could also end up being perhaps like a Travis Kelsey-ish type would be interesting as well. The one that was interesting to me was that there's only one guy who was there who ended up getting a comparison to Gronk. And it was one of the guys you were actually advocating in Josh Oliver, the tight end out of San Jose State, who's kind of got that prototypical size, height, weight, maybe not going to have the greatest like shuttle as far as the three cone drill, but as far as being able to actually like, you know, as, as far as being a pass catching tight end, who's this big blocking He's a good player. guy, great player, not as like, you know, this completely transforming generational athlete but he's one of those guys if you're like hey you want to get him on day two or day three uh i think the that guy and then also another person i think you're looking at with michael jordan he tested out i believe it was second overall as far as with athleticism from the interior linemen across the board for the most part i think lindstrom maybe was the one who beat beat him out but he's a guy who if you're going to tell me hey if you're at the 33rd pick and he's on the board i wouldn't mind taking him if you trade back from 33 and he's kind of your top target sure go ahead there's a lot of options that are there overall the biggest thing Thing as far as with the combine that we can see from 
from all of this is that this is a draft that if the Cardinals are needing to bring in an edge rusher, as Marcus Golden's probably going to leave and walk away, you've got Bosa. If you're needing a defensive tackle, you've got Quentin Williams. If you're needing a tackle or an offensive tackle, if you're needing wide receivers, tight ends, there's a lot of reason why I can totally understand why Steve Kime would want to trade back, get a lot of these picks, fill a lot of these needs, versus the fact that there's just a lot of talent in this draft, and the Cardinals, as of right now, Unless they decide to, you know, trade Rosen and take Murray, they don't really have a lot of needs in the areas this combat is weak. Josh Jacobs, only running back, is probably going to go in the first round. Maybe he doesn't even go there. You don't have to worry about running back. You don't have to worry as much about, you know, some of the other – well, I mean, there's a lot of positions. But cornerback, there's going to be probably three corners who go in the top ten afterwards. There's at least enough depth you can probably grab a guy. But the biggest needs for how the Cardinals can improve their offense while still building up the trenches on the defense line. There's even an off-ball linebacker, at least, that I would be very curious to look into. I think it's like Blake um, – it's not Blake Hawkinson. I'll have to take a look. But uh, the guy we talked about, Yadni Kajuste, there's a lot of players at least that they could look at to really be able to get helped to get helped out with to essentially be able to build this team toward that idea of, Hey, if you want to build, try to win a super bowl, best to do it while you're on a rookie quarterback contract. It's part of why I think we've talked of why we're still like hesitant. Like you, you're kind of resetting for an extra year, looking at 2021, 22, 23, part of why I haven't seen it as much at least if I did make that trade. But you know, it's all kind of crazy. So uh, let's wrap up tonight's session, at least with that. And uh, John, is there any thoughts that you have at least for the most part with the, Cardinals just on the way out any other thoughts in the combine any other players who stood out just where are you kind of at right now with this organization amidst all of kind of this chaos that we discuss about where is this team at and where we're going to be at three weeks from now with this with the Cardinals about what they'll be looking at in the 2019 NFL draft and, and free agency as it begins we're going to be previewing that as well for the uh, Revenge of the Birds podcast well John what were your thoughts as we headed off for this episode yeah, the, my final thoughts are just in regards to this Murray madness. And every time that I want to dismiss it, I go back to last year and you talk about that on the surface, the Cardinals really like Josh Rosen, but we've talked about it at Nauseam Blake that Steve Keim, according to reports, liked Josh Allen more, liked Baker Mayfield more. And so did he sure. theoretically draft Rosen because he had to? Would he have pulled the trigger had Oakland asked for a first and a second last year? He'd probably still be picking first overall, but he wouldn't have had Josh Rosen. He'd instead have, you know, someone like Derwin James or somebody like that. He would have had Vita Vey or somebody like that. So you talk about Kime last year re- reluctantly. I, I say that with, 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 quotation, with quotations, picking Josh Rosen. And now you've got this new hotshot head coach that has a relationship with Kyler Murray. I, I, again, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even think it's likely, but anytime that I want to dismiss it, you think about the, the kind of leeway. And again, like how could Michael approve of this? But then you go back and time has missed on every first round pick since 2013, since he's been the head, the head, head man, the general manager of this franchise. I just can't imagine him moving Rosen a year later and going O for, what would that be, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, O for 6. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do, right? Like, I think fans could probably go maybe 500, certainly go 2 for 6. And and I consider a first-round pick a success if they get a second contract. Yeah. They, and not everybody's a pro bowler, but if, if you're a good player, you get a second contract, you're one of the highest-paid players at your position, you're, you're a competent player, you're somebody who the franchise relies on, you're good, and like a, a second contract, meaning like you're getting paid. You're getting a four- or five-year deal into the prime of your career. The Cardinals haven't done that with any of Kime's first-round picks, and if you punt on Josh Rosen, you're going to go 0 for 6. I, I, I know people love to talk about the dead money and everything else, and that's important with, with regards to this, to this argument. I also think that you have to emphasize the fact that this is yet another, and I don't think Rosen's a missed player, but this is another miss on Kime's resume. But we saw Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell operate that end-of-the-year presser, and, and Michael still has an, an overabundance of respect for mm-hmm. Steve Kime. I think that can't be understated. And if Kime and Kingsbury are on the same page with Murray, I, I think Michael Bidwell will be too. Yeah, I, I think ultimately then you have to just say that, hey, we're, we're going to have to nail the, the player, nail the pick at least, as far as they're saying, you know, you're expecting then big things from Murray coming in. I would honestly expect big things from Murray no matter – 
where he would go just because of the fact that he – we've seen and we even talked about this, John, with mobile quarterbacks, you're able to, while you're developing and learning how to play from the pocket in the pass game, and that's something I think that we'll have to reach out to. I'm looking to see as far as for more of just the grades and ideas. We'll see exactly how it goes with Murray. But just for kind of reaching out with some other advice for – how he manages or takes care of the the ball, the pocket, how he compares to a Josh Rosen. We'll probably see if we can talk to some other of the quarterback gurus that are around there on uh, either on Twitter or on the internet just to be able to see if there's anything. We'll hopefully be able to have some of that content for you. But yeah, for right now, uh, the next episode we'll probably be looking at, we'll have it in a few days. That'll be kind of our free agency preview. We'll be going over Cardinals players. We'd be looking at them to re-sign. Maybe there'll be another guy or two who gets re-signed before free agency. Then kind of previewing the offensive and defensive um, positions on the Cardinals kind of going group by group and looking at all of those free agents who are out there. Uh, it's going to be a lot. Now, if, if something pops up sooner, like let's say that, you know, we wake up tomorrow, Rosen gets traded or something like that, maybe we'll be on and have a different taste to our show. But uh, like you and I said, John, we're not expecting that, anticipating it anytime soon. And uh, I, again, I keep going back for me. I'm I'm still on that 95% not going to happen number. I'll leave open the 5%, but I'm, I'm still convinced at least that the Josh Rosen is going to start the, as the Cardinals 2019 quarterback for that. Uh, that'll wrap it up, at least for this episode here overall. Thank you again for everyone listening. Um, we've appreciated. We've had a lot of people who've been coming in, following, interacting as all this craziness has happened. Appreciate you guys for each week as we've been able to kind of break down our thoughts, at least on this team. And, you know, we're as big of fans as you are when it comes to this, and we're following this Kyler news just as closely as you guys are. Yep. Thanks, everybody. It's It's been a uh, entertaining last couple of weeks to say the least and it's only going to get more entertaining on the eve of free agency we've got about a week and a half left uh before the official extravaganza gets kicked off and if you heard kimes comments at his combine presser expect the cardinals to be incredibly active as they try to reshape this dumpster fire of a roster Definitely, definitely agree there. Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Make sure you're checking us out. At least we're uh, located on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Revenge of the Birds podcasts, Stitcher Radio as well, Spotify. We've had a lot of people have been listening now on Spotify, which is great. As always, on Revenge of the Birds, I'll be having a little bit of Combine recap that'll be coming up after you know, after just kind of going over not just the Kyler situation, but just the rest of the performances, Cardinal players to be looking at who won or lost the combine. Once we finish up, uh, as again, we're recording on a Sunday night, still have those uh, defensive back drills to go over. All right. Uh, Thank you again, always for listening. Uh, Go Cardinals and uh, let's go and hope that uh, we're still having an account that John can talk about when we're sitting here after the first round of the 2019 NFL draft. Take care guys.